Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 11th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of August 21st, 2022, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to begin this week's podcast, and I'm excited to be back. I was at a big church meeting last week, and I'm also really excited that we had the discussion that we did last week. And if you looked in my show notes that I had last week, I talked about briefly the Inflation Reduction Act, which is one of the bigger bills, especially within the United States history, that actually seems to potentially have some teeth to actually address climate change, as we were talking about a lot last week. And thinking about that, and I know that's one of the weird things with this podcast, a lot of times you're having to try to record as close as you can to the date, but also still give some time for the listeners to be able to listen. And in this case, I recorded and it was about 24 hours later, we were hearing the announcement for this act. So super cool that that happens. And it kind of helps us a little bit in the response to the question that we had for last week, which was, what changes are you going to make in recognition of the time that we're in? And that's a very deep personal question, but it's also something that we need to be asking as a group of people. And in a way, it kind of ties into a little bit where we'll be going this week. But this idea of recognizing that the time that we have here is precious and the things that we're able to see is precious and recognizing the treasure of what this is. And it gets back into this idea of understanding God as a creator, not just somebody that we're calling upon and worshiping, but also understanding the creative side that God does have and inspires us. We are creative beings, but recognizing that creative side of God and then in doing that, being able to recognize the creation in which we have been gifted to be part of is something that's super neat. So let's just jump into it this week. There's a lot to jump into. So one of the Old Testament texts is from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 10. This is the call story of Jeremiah. And in this, it's the recognition of how God knows who God has created Jeremiah to be. And yet Jeremiah in verse 6, Ah, Lord, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. And God reaffirming Jeremiah, recognizing, no, don't be afraid. I have designed you. I know who you are and I will help you. I will put those words in the mouth of you. This recognition of God understanding, I have designed you in this way. Let me be able to work within you so that you are able to become the person who I have designed you to be. And in a lot of ways, there's parts of this that will tie into our science tie-in this week. The psalm that goes with that then is Psalm 71, the first six verses. And it's then recognizing that, that recognition of if I'm going to become the person that God is placing me to be, then let me be around that. Let me take refuge in that coming from verse one and keeping an ear toward who God is and recognizing that then God can place me on the foundations on which I need to be to be able to grow into the person that God is calling me to be so that I can continue to sing praise to God and that my life is a reflection of who God has called me to be. The semi-continuous Old Testament text is from Isaiah chapter 58 verses 9b to verse 14. This is kind of in a similar vein, but in a little bit different way. It's the recognition of how God continues to provide for not only the people, just in general, 
and making sure that their different needs are taken care of, but also recognizing that God continues to do this for generations and for his creation in and of a whole. So it's recognizing in doing that that we should be taking time to actually honor that. And in doing that honoring, in doing that time to recognize that it's so much greater than who we are, it's about reflecting who God is, that then we are able to actually, again, become the person that God has called us to be. The psalm that goes with that then is Psalm 103 verses 1 to 8. And this then we're hearing, especially in those first couple verses, bless the Lord, O my soul, is all that is within me. And so this recognition of how then God is this person who is delivering us through this stuff, but is also the one who continues to provide the blessings of what he has designed us to be in a lot of ways. The way that God has crafted us to be, the gifts that God has crafted us to be, the abilities to put us in the situations where we are uniquely gifted to be able to help in situations. And that's where he then kind of goes into that a little bit here, talking about in Moses being equipped for the tribe of Israel. And verse 8 is such a powerful verse that we probably heard so much before. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The epistle reading or the New Testament text is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 to 29. I would argue to make sure that you're understanding this correctly, especially if you're digging into this text, is go back to verse 14. And this is talking about not taking God's grace for granted. And especially in this, it's referencing back to how the people of Israel when they're at Mount Sinai were not necessarily there to hear what powerful thing God had to say. It was more they were there in fear and trying to understand that. And it's recognizing that the God that we have follows the covenants that he has made with his people, but it's yet this is a God that is a creator. This is a God that is not afraid of turning things over and starting anew in different ways. Not necessarily doing a flood like he has stated before in Genesis, but recognizing that we should have that healthy fear, the healthy fear of God to be able to recognize the blessing of what God has done and realizing in doing that, that's going to cause us to be in places where we are going to get shaken up because God is one who is a mixer, who is a shaker, who enjoys mixing things up. And we see that in the gospel text this week out of Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 17. Jesus is in the synagogue and is teaching on one of the Sabbath days. There is a woman who is with a spirit, is crippled for 18 years. And Jesus calls her over and heals her ailment. Now, granted, again, I've stated in verse 11 with the spirit, and I think there is a period of that that is really important. But he lays hands and this is what heals her. Then you get some of the leaders of the synagogue who are then the masters of the law trying to say that, no, this is supposed to be your resting. 
And yet then Jesus kind of calling out, even on the Sabbath, you still make sure that you are providing for your your cattle, your ox and your donkey. You're making sure that they are fed. Should I not be doing similar things? And yet the entire crowd rejoiced at these words, this recognition of how God, in this case through Jesus, is coming in to renew the land, coming in to renew the people and is restoring places, and it's recognizing that process in what's going on. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we do our shameless plug. But Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some direction on where we're going with these texts. I find it extremely helpful. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really enjoy it because of how they lay out the text each week, but I also really enjoy looking at the art section and being able to look at how different people throughout time, throughout the globe, have been able to recognize and interpret these in creative ways, especially with the text that we have this week, being able to see a little bit more of a creative side of God through his creation. And so I think it's really interesting to make sure that you're checking that stuff out. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that also. God understands who God has made us to be. God understands how God has made his creation to be. And the difficult thing for that, for us, is recognizing that there's going to be times that things are constantly changing. And there's also going to be things that are going to be renewed in ways that are different than what we initially expect. I'm going to have a couple examples here of a couple things to be thinking about, but I think this is something that as you think about it more, there should be a lot of examples of this in your day-to-day life. So one example that I stumbled across this last week was I had the privilege of going to Cuyahoga Valley National Park. And there at Cuyahoga National Park is a section of this area called Beaver Marsh. And the thing that's fun about Beaver Marsh is that 40-ish years ago, it was not a marsh. What happened is in the late 1800s, the marsh was initially drained. With being in Ohio, this was a major part of not only opening up dairy land, but also opening up canals so that we were able to connect the Ohio and Erie Canal together to be able to help with shipping routes in the early 1800s. By the time that then the 1900s came around and farming is kind of more dominating, the canal is getting used a little bit less and less, this area then has become dry land. What happened then in the 70s as there was thoughts about you know figuring something out with this area, there was a big open field just across from this area that they thought, oh, this would be great if we can get this old car lot, which it had become, to clear this out and then you'd have parking and then you could have special events on this other side. So what ended up happening is the Sierra Club started getting funds and getting things together to be able to start clearing out this area. 
around the same time, beavers, which had been kind of vacant from that area of Ohio for about a century, returned and in doing that established dams along the old canal way and riverways. And what did it do? It flooded this area. And what did it do? It actually restored this old marshland back to what it once was. It restored the place back to what it was. And this is why they've decided, yeah, this is what it would have naturally been. And I got to see it now 40 years later and the evolution. And as you read, I'll attach an article down below. It's not like everything returned immediately. It took a while for things to kind of come back to have this establishment. And yet, when the beavers did this, what had been happening is the seeds that had been sitting in the soil dormant, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for that water to come, then were able to be awoken. These marshland plants that were there and they were just waiting for the right conditions suddenly were able to actually flourish. It's a really interesting story if you haven't checked out Beaver Marsh to look into. But the thing is, is when you look into even just how our geography works within this planet, we have to understand, and again, to be able to really get into this deeply, you could talk for hours to really get into how this globe works. And I'm going to attach links down below. Crash Course has done a whole series talking about geography. I'd highly recommend it. I looked at a couple different ones here this week. And again, we're going to be just touching the surface of this because understanding how our geography all happened is understanding at a, a most basic level, the combination of how three different cycles go into other cycles to affect our land. So if we take the plate tectonic cycle in combination with the rock cycle, in combination with the water cycle, to put it in the hydrological cycle, these cycles interacting together have basically been some of the major forces of what's been going on. Let me explain a little bit more. The understanding of plate tectonics really is only about 75 years old. It was really in the 1950s and 60s we were able to really start putting together the theory of plate tectonics. Even though it was projected by Wagner almost a century ago, but basically what we were able to prove is that we have a globe that through plate tectonics, so it's essentially these big plates that cover the earth, it's not one solid crust, it's all crumbled. And then based off of what type of rock is at the top, so like continental rock is less dense than oceanic rock. So more dense would mean it's got a stronger pull to that magnetic core of the earth, thus being able to when these plates are hitting each other, causing different things to happen. So for instance, and I know that we're a little bit all over the place here, but stay with me. We have ridges that are in the middle of the ocean. What ridges do is that that is where two plates are pulling away from each other. So two plates are pulling away from each other. And when that is happening, it is allowing the magma from within the earth to come up and make new land. But if that's also happening, you have to have trenches where the old oceanic crust is probably meeting most likely the continental crust and thus 
diving underneath it, which can cause earthquakes and potentially a lot of volcanic activity, but also can cause a trench. Thus, the oceanic crust, which again is rock, is going back down into the magma and is getting reheated to actually turn over. What is actually happening here? You have both new land and the recycling of land happening all the time. This is where the whole theory of Pangea, where all of the landmass together was together in one spot at one point and then has moved further and further apart, which they've been able to actually confirm through looking at magnetic poles that are within the rocks and looking at specifically like the Atlantic. So the Mid-Atlantic Ridge showed that there was oceanic spreading which is then when doing that and going through and looking at the magnetism, paleomagnetism, we're able to see where the different magnetic poles were slipping back and forth. And when that was happening, was able to leave like a barcode because it would be left on when these things were happening, showing that our oceanic floor is some of the newest rock possibly on the planet comparatively to like a lot of our continents, if you want to look at it that way. But in this regard, it's showing that our Earth is constantly renewing. Now, granted, we can get into how different rock formations form different types of things. We can see how through how the different types of plates, either the oceanic or continental plates coming together, will form mountain ranges, form volcanoes, form islands based off of hot spots. But in doing this, it's also recognizing that even on a crustal level, you're having this constant turnover, this constant renewing of the earth in and of itself. And on top of that, so here is the rock cycle going through, the plate tectonic cycle, which is then having part of what's driving all this, getting into currents like we talked about last week with the oceans, that the magma underneath have their own currents that are flowing through, which are causing things to happen. But additionally, when you have mountain ranges and different geological features coming up, that's where the water cycle or the hydrological cycle comes into play. Through weathering, through rain, through wind, through all these different things on how it's going to wear things down. We can see the effects of what like glacial periods have had on the land, constantly changing it. This whole idea is recognizing that we have a God who loves to recreate. This God who likes to restore. This God who, this isn't the way that I designed it, let me work on it again. But we can even see that in the text this week. When we look at Jeremiah and it's God reaffirming Jeremiah and this is who I've created you to be. Let me work with me so that we can become what I have created you to be. Israel recognizing that this is a God who is providing and making sure that things are taken care of. The really the one that's in control. We're the gardener, but he's the owner of the garden and tells the gardeners what to be doing. It is making sure that all the garden things are actually happening. Hebrews getting to our understanding of how at times we get in the way. We're not understanding the master plan and that's not the point for us to fully understand. This is a point where we are supposed to be recognizing this world constantly moving and transforming around us. 
Jesus saying, if you're going to take the loss so rigidly, you're going to miss what God is actually trying to do. This woman is crippled by a spirit, and yet because God has given me the ability, or God's given God's own ability to be able to heal this woman by pulling the spirit out of her so that she is able to be who God has created her to be, that doesn't mean that we should be sitting here and being so rigid on how we're understanding things. It's understanding that there is a blessing in doing that. That is honoring the Sabbath in a lot of ways because it's recognizing what God is doing. And it's this recognition also of how God continues to evolve, how God is continuing to move, how then the creation in which we're in is continuing to move and change and evolve along with this. Recognizing that when plates are coming together, the tectonic plates, that sometimes we have earthquakes, sometimes we have volcanoes, sometimes we're building up mountain ranges, sometimes we're pulling things apart so literally new land can come, but that also means there's spots where land is being recycled and going back into the magma to restart again. Sometimes we're going to have ideas of building grand parking lots across from venues and, okay, yeah, let's clean this up and the beavers recognize, no, things are changing and we're re-entering this area. We're going to flood this out. And no, now we got to clean this up so that this can actually be restored into the marsh that it once was. So that it can become what it has the capability of actually becoming. The seeds being embedded in the soil waiting for that opportunity to become what they were designed to be, become the potential that they are designed to be. But it means that the marsh had to be there for that to actually happen. Within our own lives, how often are different gifts planted within us and we don't even recognize the ability to be able to pull those out because we're not allowing ourselves to be put in the situations to actually be able to grow that way. It's one of the things and why for me, when I look at scripture, going back to Genesis time and time and time again and thinking about it as a gardener and being an environmentalist on top of it, recognizing that even the gardener gets things wrong sometimes. That there's times where then things outside the gardener's control forces your hand to change how the garden is. And that's where God comes into play. Understanding in this that it's God who is in control and paying homage to God, but then also recognizing the places where restoration are needed for the betterment of all. Jesus is calling out these synagogue leaders to be able to help them better understand, in my opinion, better relate to the God that is there. Better understand that I'm trying to help you understand that the rigid way that you're looking at the law is actually hindering you from deeper understanding and becoming more of who God is wanting you to be. And by the same breath, Jesus healing this woman with the spirit, we don't hear from her again, but you would assume she is then better able to not only glorify God, but she, more importantly, is better able to do the work that God has designed her to be. He has allowed this woman to be able to be the person that God has designed her to be. It's not that it's saying that it's healing every person that is there. It's healing this person to be able to be the best selves that God has designed them to be. The earth is constantly changing. And that's a good thing. That's the hard thing. Because we're getting glimpses of it. And there's things that we want to hold on to. 
even me as an environmentalist, there's things that I don't want to have changed. But no matter how much I want or don't want it to change, they are going to change. It's how this earth is designed and works. You have cycles that are constantly circular. At some point, something has to be recycled again. Old fault lines will at some point heal. Things that we know today, a century from now, millennium from now, might not be the case. This is a recognition of allowing God to take control. And in doing that, that means we need to have the keen ear to be able to understand what God is doing. And that might lead us in times of confusion. The more we understand this globe, the better we can understand this. The whole idea of South America and Africa being together and having Pangea 200 years ago was a very radical idea and to the point where people thought you were insane. And yet, now from the fossil record, from the rock record, we're able to line these things up and say, yeah, this is very possible. And again, the theory of plate tectonics, it's not scientific law yet, but it's a solidly supported theory. And we've talked about how scientific theories work before in the past. We have to understand that this is a God that is constantly creating and renewing. And this is a text that is talking about us being willing and able to be renewed. I know for me, as we get to this time of the year within the calendar, there's a lot of renewing. The renewing of going back to school or getting your mental mindset that summer is ending and that we are heading into another fall season in the northern hemisphere. It's this idea of transitioning and moving as the northern hemisphere is slowly tilting further and further away from the sun and the southern hemisphere is getting more and more light. This renewing of God's creation yet again as we are going through these cycles. We're the ones that struggle with cycles. The idea of things changing, and yet we're really good at it, and we've talked about this before, when we're really young because we look forward to things, and suddenly as we get older, we start realizing that some of this stuff is getting harder and harder for us. I had, again, the recognition, and I've been stating it the last few weeks in this podcast, of I was at a conference where I was considered the back end of young adult. And through my interactions, I realized how I am transitioning into adulthood. I'm no longer the young adult. There are more and more ways where I'm relating more and more to being an adult and understanding and being okay with that transition. Recognizing that in that, there's going to be things that I can and cannot do anymore. New doors that are being opened, but other doors that are being shut. Things that are going to be different than they once were. And that's okay. This renewing of who I am as I'm moving into the next phase of life is not any different than what we see with the globe. Than we see with a marsh that was dry land for 200 years. But yet it was so ready for that water to come into renew itself into something old and yet new again. So the question I have for you this week is, are you ready to be renewed? And also, are you ready for the change that that renewing is going to cause? These are not easy things. Recognizing that as we are being renewed and made into the person that God is calling us to be means that then that renewing process takes time. And we will come out different people than we, what we went in with, and that's okay. The fun game I love playing with myself is 
thinking about would the X age of myself approve of who I am today? Would the 10-year-old me think that the 30-year-old me, what would they think? Would the 18-year-old self of me be proud of where I am today? Or what questions would they have and what explanations would I have to give to get to where I am today and why? But it's also recognizing that I've been renewed multiple times in that process. And that's okay. I'm a different person than I was. And that's part of what these are talking about. Coming close to God so that we can be made into the people that God is calling us to be. We talk about it in faith seasons. We talk about seasons of life. We talk about seasons with weather in general. And yet it's still difficult for us at times to wrap our heads around. This renewing idea is not new, but yet it's hard for us to fully grasp and fully accept the renewing process. And that's where for me, when I look out in nature and granted, when we're even looking at this earth, the world underneath our feet is literally moving in multiple ways as we're spinning around this fiery burning gas of a sun, but our earth is constantly closing the story on some old rock and renewing the life in some new rock as it comes out through these ridges. And I think in a lot of ways, that's who we are too. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.